it is that we have brought with us tonight, we just offer it to you. At the end of this busy week, in the midst of our lives, God, we just ask you to help us be still enough to hear your word. In a world that's hurting, God, so many of us know somebody on our heart right now that is hurting, God. We lift them up to you. We look around and it feels like so much is just about to crumble, God. And we offer it to you. And we pray, God, that in this message, in this time where we are really intentional to look at the Bible and what it is you are saying to us this evening, God, we pray that you will speak a fresh word into our hearts and our lives. We pray that you'll shine light and ignite change in us and fuel us to do that in a world desperate for it. Thank you for loving us. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here um, tonight. If this is your first time worshiping with us, if you'll just take out your phone, it's not weird. Just take out your phone, text the number 94000-94000. Text the word Horizon, and you'll get a card in that. You can fill it out now while I'm talking, or you can fill it out later um, this later today or tomorrow. It'll just give us an opportunity to have some kind of connection with you, and we would love that opportunity to be able to connect with you. Um, we are going to continue our series, Set Apart. I have lived in this world you all have lived in this week, and here are some words I would use to describe the lives of people around me. Overwhelmed, anxious, scared, fearful, uncertain, disappointed. We've all dealt with these things. Some of us are bringing them with us this morning. Overwhelmed, anxious, fearful, uncertain, disappointed. We all deal with these things all the time. This week, I heard Pastor Erica, I'm at the end of my rope, and I don't know what else to do. Pastor Erica, I cannot do what I'm doing. I cannot go back through what I just came through. I cannot do this over again. Pastor Erica, I've cried, and I have no more tears left to cry. Pastor Erica, I'm scared. Pastor Erica, I'm trying my very best, and it's not enough. Overwhelmed, anxious, scared, uncertain, disappointed. I hear you. I need to tell you as your spiritual leader, I hear you. In a world of shipping delays and supply chain issues and labor shortages and construction demands, our homeless church is renovating a bowling alley, and overwhelmed is like an understatement of what I'm currently experiencing every single minute of every single day. I'm sending my kid in two, less than two months now, I'm sending my kid to kindergarten in a public education system that's overworked and underfunded. We all live in this world, right? I, I have a family member fighting cancer right now in a healthcare system that's burnt out and exhausted. We know we live in a world that's asking us to push the gas after we have been pushing it for two long years, overwhelmed, anxious, scared, and uncertain. That's how many of us come today. And in a world that's been overwhelmed and anxious and scared and disappointed, 
I have, I'll be honest, I've, I've tried to figure out how to just work my way out of this problem. How to ignore it, pretend like the problems aren't existing. I have tried everything I know to try. And as your spiritual leader, I'm telling you this. The thing that's bringing me the most hope and the most peace is spending time with God and reading the Bible. Spending time with God and reading the Bible. We've been studying Joshua, this man who was called up to be a leader. I need to tell y'all. I need to tell y'all about what happens before we're introduced to Joshua. There is this group of people called the Israelites. They are enslaved. They are the slaves of the people who are the Egyptians. The Egyptians are, are living this luxurious, comfortable, amazing life. They are living. They are living the good life, but they, it is built. That life is built on the backs of the Hebrew people, of the Israelites. They are overwhelmed. The Israelites are. They're overworked. They're anxious. They're scared. And they're uncertain. And there's a man named Moses. And he looked. It, the story's a lot longer than what I'm going to give you. I'm just going to give you a little synopsis here. It's a lot longer than this. But Moses looks at God and he says, God, do you care? Do you care about what all these people are experiencing? Some of you parents in the room are like, do you care what our adult children are dealing with every day? Some of you kids in this room are like, do you care about my parents, about my job, about my future? Do you care? God, can you save these people, Moses asked. And God said, I see their hurt and their pain and their oppression, and I will save them, Moses. I want you to lead them. And Moses does what all of us do when God asks us to do something. He starts naming the seven reasons why he can't and shouldn't be the person who's leading the people out of slavery, right? He doesn't speak good enough. He doesn't have the right education. He didn't come from the right home. Like, he has a whole list of these things that we all make too. And God says, no, I want you to lead these people out of Egypt and into a land, a promised land. He says there are going to be cucumbers and pomegranates and olives and milk and honey, and we are going to build a new kingdom, a new way of doing things, brick by brick by brick. It's going to be built with peace and justice and goodness. It will not be built on the backs of people. It will be built for the people, for my goodness, God says. Lead the people out of slavery and bondage. So Moses is like, all right, I'll do it. Here I am, Lord. Those are dangerous words. I just need you to know that. But, but God uses them and blesses them. And he leads this whole group of overwhelmed, anxious, uncertain, and scared people out of this terrible life where they, somebody else was controlling everything about their lives. He leads them out of that across this miraculous thing happens on their journey that God splits the Red Sea. They walk across on dry land. He defeats the army that's after him and these Israelites, these slaves, these people who have no money, no weapons, no nothing to get ahead in life, for whatever reason, God rescues them and sets them into a journey on, into the promised land. But the people didn't always do what they were supposed to, so they find themselves in the wilderness for 40 years. And in the wilderness, they learn to trust God a little more. They didn't have the pomegranates and the cucumbers and the olives yet. They didn't have the milk and the honey yet. Anybody feel like this right now? God, I, I want your promises. I hear that you bring me goodness and justice and peace, and you want calmness in my life. I hear those things, but I just can't taste them yet. But in the wilderness, God fed the people manna. And it wasn't wonderful or fantastic. It was this doughy, sticky stuff, but it was enough. It was enough keep the people content. 
And you know what else he did? He asked him to keep the Sabbath holy. That means one day rest. These people who worked for seven days as the slaves, overwhelmed, asked to put the gas on and work harder than they've ever worked before. These people learned to rest for one whole day and connect to God. God began to set them apart. So before I tell you anything about Joshua, I need you to know that in a world that asks us to push the gas harder and go faster, in a world that says the promised land is right there, figure out how to get there as quick as you can, sometimes, sometimes God's grace and goodness says stop. It doesn't say keep going. And some of you might need to hear that tonight. God stopped the people of Israel so they could connect to God's goodness and rest and love. What is it? What is it that you're doing right now? And God is saying, stop. What I have for you is enough. Stop. Moses didn't get to lead the people to the promised land. <laughs> he got to see the promised land, but he didn't get to lead them. A new leader was called up, and his name was Joshua. That's who we're studying about right now, Joshua. Joshua was going to lead the people from the edge of the wilderness into the promised land. So all the people pack up their stuff. They're done camping in the wilderness. It is time for the promised land. They are headed to cucumbers and milk and honey and the good stuff, okay? So they're headed there, and they have all their stuff packed up, and they get to this spot called the Jordan River, and it's flood season. So it's not just a river. It's a river that's overwhelmed and overcapacity. It's flowing beyond its banks. Much like many of us would say about our lives right now. Who's staring dead on at something standing between you and the promises God wants to have for you and you feel like something is overcapacity and overwhelmed and it is, it is beyond something you can do? He's got all these children, women and children who've got to cross this Jordan River to get to the promised land. What's he going to do? What in the world is he going to do? And I realized as I was reading this story that these words in this Bible aren't just words printed about some fun story that was told thousands and thousands of years ago to people. These words are fresh and new and alive for us today because every single one of us are staring at something right now that is overwhelming and beyond its capacity. And it might be our lives. It might be our heart. It might be our mental load for the physical things that we are dealing with. We are staring at something that is overwhelming and beyond its capacity to be contained in our lives anymore. And, and crossing it means that our children's lives are in danger. Crossing it means that the people we love, their lives are in danger. Crossing it is just too big a burden to bear right now. And, and, God, and Joshua looks at God and he says, what, what are we going to do? And this is what he says. What does God say? A lot of times when we're overwhelmed and operating capacity, we just want to go, keep going. What does God say? You know what God told Joshua? Build a boat. Create an electronic system that will create that will dam up this system and, and create dry land for you guys to cross on. No, that's not what God said. You know what God said? Stop. Camp for three days. Pull out your guitars and sing your favorite songs. Make s'mores with your children. Talk about that manna you had to eat for 40 years. 
Let's sit around in a circle and let's stop. Let's not worry so much about this river that's operating beyond its capacity. Let's stop and have fun for just a second. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourself apart in a world that says push the gas and keep going. God says stop and have fun. Consecrate. Make yourselves holy. So often we think it's this hard and treacherous work to be holy. Simply set yourself apart from a world that's, that's operating beyond capacity right now. That's pushing the gas and going way too fast. Set yourselves apart. Consecrate yourselves, Joshua says to the people. Consecrate yourselves. Make yourselves holy. Set yourselves apart. Camp for three days. If some of y'all have been Googling what vacation you're going to go on, God may be telling you to go camping for three days and make some s'mores with your kids. Do it. Stop. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Tomorrow. Not right now. Not in the time you can pop Easy Mac in and out of your microwave. Not one urgent second from now. But tomorrow, I'm going to do wonders among you. Tomorrow, I promise to do wonders among you. So the people stop, they camp, they consecrate themselves, they set themselves apart, and then it's time for them to go across the river. Joshua's like, all right, pack up all your stuff, we're going. This is what you're going to do. The priests are going to carry this Ark of the Covenant. It, they thought that God like lived in this like Ark of the Covenant at this time, and you know, we'll get to that part of the story later. Anyway, he says, put, the priests are going to put that on their shoulders. They're going to walk into the river that's in flood stage. Did y'all see the Yellowstone National Park footage this week? That's like what he's telling them to do. Just, they're just going to walk right in the middle of that river, and it's going to stop flowing, and you people are going to follow, follow them across. And so nervous and scared, you know what these priests did? They put their toes in the water, and they walked out in the middle of the river, and it stopped flowing, and the people walked across on dry land. They couldn't explain it, but they walked across, headed to the promised land on dry land. And this is actually the part of the story I want us to pay attention to. When the entire nation, um, Joshua 4, 1, when the whole nation had finished, I'm going to read it from here, had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men or 12 people, that's what God would say today. This is how they wrote it down back then. I don't agree with it. It's fine. Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from the middle of the river, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So 12. To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel.
forever. Did you hear that? God created a miracle, and what did God tell the people to do? Go pick up a stone and remember it. And this is what happens in the middle of overwhelmed, anxiety, fear, and uncertainty. We forget God's goodness in our lives. And God knew that and said, pick up a stone from the middle of something that you didn't think you would get through. Pick it up and set it over here in the place, in the safe place where you're going to camp tonight and remember the good things God has done for you. And y'all, I am not kidding. We just put these rocks out, out in our backyard and I went outside and I got 12 of those white rocks and I picked one up and I said, God, when we had no home and nowhere to go and we were getting kicked out of Wilson Middle School and we couldn't keep worshiping there, you had a bowling alley for sale and we put an offering. We were courageous enough to put an offering for a bowling alley and I set that rock down. Because I want to tell my children, when David walked out the backyard, I wanted him to say, Mom, what's this rock here for? And I wanted to remind him that God is doing miracles among our church right now. And I picked up another one. And I, I, I thought about the conversation that Chris and I and some people in this room had with Corky, the owner of the bowling alley, he wanted to see about the best offer that he could get. And we were the lowest. We were financially the lowest offer that they got but he believed in the vision of our church to continue to, to be a part of and invest in the community of South Tampa. He looked. He looked at our realtor and he said, I chose them over offers that were double what we, we could offer. He said, I chose them because I believe in their vision. And I picked a rock up and I sat it down. I picked a rock up and I thought about the people in this church who had the courage to find and step into a life of recovery and sobriety who are still sober and recovering. And I sat it down and I thanked God that our church had people who cared about addiction recovery. I went and picked up another stone and I thought about Jana Tanner who had no idea what she was doing and signed up to start a kids ministry in our church and, and grew it and did amazing things and built an amazing foundation for our kids. And I sat it down and I thanked God for it. I picked up the stone for the days that I can remember it was really hard, and what I really wanted to do was send my resume and do anything but be a pastor. And one of you in this room texted me and said, I believe in our church. And I sat it down, and I thanked God for you. I thought about the 17 adults who've been baptized over the last four years, who gave their lives to Jesus and have watched him change everything about them. They've changed where they're living, what they're doing, their future and the purpose of their lives. And I picked it up and I put it down. I said, thank you, God, for Julie and Jansen and Sarah and Rachel and, so, and Blake, who's here tonight, and so many others. Thank you, God, for this work that you've done. Because there's going to be days. And there's six more. I have six more stories. I keep this all night because the kids will be mad at me. Because I promised them a petting zoo and they can't get it until the service is over. So we'll put that rock here. Okay? Well, remember the day we had a petting zoo inside at High Park. Please no one tell anyone that that happened. Um, woo! Um, that, actually, pick that rock up and put it right here. And know that uh, crazy things have happened in our church. And I'm grateful for it. But there are going to be days moving ahead. Where God is going to ask us, not just in this church, but in our lives. Where God is going to ask us to stop doing things that are causing us to overfunction and be overwhelmed and anxious. God's going to ask us to stop and rest. There are going to be moments where God says, consecrate yourselves and set yourselves apart. 
figure out some way to make yourself different than the world. Get up early in the morning and read your Bible and pray and spend time with God. Serve people in a world that says serve yourself. Figure out some way to serve somebody around you who needs it. There's going to be something that God asks you to stop doing. God's going to ask us to stop doing some things so that we can pick up some things, some miracles along the way. And let God shine light in the places where there was uncertainty and fear and we didn't think there was any way we could get through it. And then God's going to ask you to shine light too. And maybe like Moses or Joshua or those priests or those people who were the Israelites who had to trust that, that you know the Jordan River would stop flowing, maybe like those folks, you will hear God say, you are supposed to lead this, do it. And some of you right now are wrestling, I don't have any idea what it is, you're wrestling with what is the next right decision, right move I'm supposed to make. And God has equipped you for that. God's given you what you need to take that step. God's going to ask you to shine light. There's some overwhelming river right now that you have gone walked through. God has walked you through it. And you've picked up a rock and you've remembered it. And God's not just asking you to tell your children, but tell your friends and your neighbors. You won't believe what God has done for me. Don't keep it quiet. Tell other people about it. Tell other people about it. Create something in your life where you can remember when you are overwhelmed and anxious and disappointed that God's good promises stand when we think there's no way they can. Mark it. Remember it. And tell other people about it in word and in deed. You don't have to be like, Jesus did this, so I'm going to do that. Just go and do some, some, some purposeful, life-changing things for the people around us. Go do it. We need a church full of people who've been humble enough to stop what they're doing, to let God shine light and ignite change in our lives, and who are brave and courageous enough to let God shine light and ignite change through your lives in a world desperate for it. When the band come up, I've shared this before. Joshua is the Hebrew name that is later in, in Greek it becomes Jesus. It means the God who saves. And I've said this, I've said this before. It's the God who saves us from oppression and pain. It's the God who's done that for thousands and thousands of years and who did that through Jesus Christ. That's how we know it in tangible and real ways today is through the work of what Jesus did on the cross for us. What he when he rose above the sin and the death and the oppression, all of those things, to shine light and ignite change forever in our world. And some of you in this room, it may have been years and years before you let God shine light in your life. Ignite change in your heart. Let today be the day that you pick up a stone right now and say, God is changing me through the grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus means God saves. And then God is going to use you to help tell other people about that 